Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents for another Saturday here on Community Radio 3CR. It is uh, one minute past nine o'clock on this Saturday, the 5th of November. I'm Giselle Hanna. And I'm Jodie Peskett. And we're going to be taking you through to 9.30 this morning. In the second part of the show, we're going to play an interview that was originally broadcast on Thursday Breakfast. It's an interview with Saw Luin U, who is the president of the Australian Karen Organisation. And Karen are a minority ethnic group in Myanmar. So that conversation is about what the Australian Karen Organisation is about, but also recent events in Myanmar and, of course, the demands of the Myanmar people. So So we'll bring you that interview in the second part of the show. Of course, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links and you can find us on the web or the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so look us up on those social media platforms. But uh, Jody, I think we'll go straight into news from around the region. Excellent, just for something different. <laughs> yeah, we're going to kick off uh, in West Papua actually with some sad news. West Papuan independence and peace activist Philippe Jacob Samuel Karma died on Tuesday the 1st of November when his body was found washed up on a beach in his diving suit. There are no initial indications of foul play, but there is an autopsy pending. It is likely he died while diving, which was something that he really loved to do. So given his history as an activist, um, that was probably an unexpected way to go. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Philippe Karma now. He is most well known for his raising of the Morning Star flag. On the 2nd of July 1998, he led a ceremony to raise the West Papuan flag in Biak, following which activists clashed with police, resulting in injuries to a dozen officers. The Indonesian military occupied Biak Island four days later and fired on the activists. Kama alleged that more than 100 protesters were killed and buried on nearby islands, though a precise death toll is unknown. Human Rights Watch protested the Indonesian government's actions, noting that in the months that followed, the regime continuously failed to carry out a serious investigation of the incidents or hold accountable the perpetrators of abuses against the people in Biak. Karma himself was wounded in both legs by rubber bullets. He was then arrested, tried and sentenced to six and a half years imprisonment for treason. The sentence was overturned on appeal after Karma had been in prison for 10 months. But then again, on the 1st of December in 2004, he participated in a second flag-raising ceremony, marking the anniversary of Papuan independence. Indonesian security forces were again alleged to have fired into the crowd, killing pro-independent activists, and Karma was again arrested on charges of treason against the Indonesian state, this time along with a fellow activist, Yusak Pakaj. At Karma's trial, Judge Lakoni Herney said, 
don't bring your God's name here in this trial. He was already dead and gave him triple the sentence that the prosecutors had requested. Karma served this 15-year sentence in Abapura prison in Jayapura. Pakaj was imprisoned on a 10-year sentence, which he served until early uh, release in 2010. After the trial, Karma's lawyers reportedly found a a dog's severed head on the doorstep accompanied by a note reading, Kill Karma. Um, As we know, Philip Jacob Samuel Karma lived until 2022, continuing to be an independence and peace activist for that entire time. So rest in power, Comrade Philippe Karma. Yes, indeed. All right, now we're moving to Japan, where Japan's largest labour organisation will seek the biggest pay rise for union members in nearly three decades next year, as the country feels the bite of inflation. The Japanese Trade Union Confederation, known as Rango, seeks an increase of about 5%, which represents a rise of about 3% in base pay, along with a seniority-linked bump of roughly 2%. Rango's unions represent about 7 million members. From 2016 to this year, Rango requested wage increases of about 4% during annual negotiations, known as Shantu, traditionally held in the spring. It has not aimed for 5% since 1995, when it sought an increase of between 5 and 6%. And in Australia, aged care workers have won a 15% pay rise with the possibility of more to come after the Fair Work Commission accepted the sector's employees were underpaid. The full bench of the Fair Work Commission announced its interim decision on Friday afternoon, having accepted the expert evidence that feminised industries, including care work, have been historically undervalued and the reason for that undervaluation is likely to be gender-based, or as we like to say, sexism Mm -hmm. or misogyny. Mm -hmm. As this is an interim decision, there's no timing yet for when the wage rise will flow through to some of Australia's lowest paid workers. The government had supported submissions for an increase to workers' pay. Unions had wanted a 25% increase, which would have amounted to an additional 5% an hour, following recommendations from the Aged Care Royal Commission, which found low pay was contributing to staff shortages and mistreatment of people in aged care. Jared Hayes, the National President of the Health Services Union, which had wanted the 25% increase, said the interim decision was merely a down payment. Sounds like there's a bit more fight in the union yet to get those wages up. Yeah, and that's really great news for those workers and solidarity as they continue that fight because, um, yeah, 15% isn't enough, but it's, you know, it's something. All right, now we're in Iraq, where on October 24th, a large number of workers in the Iraqi Ministry of Health protested in front of the Ministry of Finance to demand the disbursement of their unpaid salaries for more than 10 months. So these health workers have been without salaries for 10 months. The protesters expressed their refusal of the recurrent excuses on the non-payment of their salaries. They demanded the payment of their overdue financial dues for more than 10 months after they 
after they were recruited at the Ministry of Health. These demands um, concern 7,000 employees. So 7,000 employees in Iraq have not had any salaries for 10 months. Yeah, the, um, the situation in the Middle East in relation to inflation, cost of living, etc., is really dire. Um, we've still been trying to source that interview about Lebanon. But um, yeah, so more power to the Iraqi workers to fight for their wages. Um, we're going to move to Kazakhstan now, where there's a campaign to free Erjan Elshibayev, um, who is a worker activist. Erjan Elshibayev is a human rights defender and a worker activist in Kazakhstan, and he's been in prison for over two years now. He is one of the organisers of the 2019 rallies in the town of Jonaujen to demand higher wages for local workers and the creation of jobs for the unemployed. Jonaujen is a town in western Kazakhstan located in the centre of the richest oil-bearing region. Yet for many years, the unemployment rate in the town remains one of the highest in the country. In October 2019, Elshabayev was sentenced to five years in prison on trumped-up charges. Allegedly, several years before, the activist assaulted an unknown person, inflicting bodily harm. Human rights defenders and Elshabayev himself see those charges as a form of persecution for his public activities and civil activism. The persecution of Elshabayev continued in the penitentiary as well. He was repeatedly... He has repeatedly complained of being under pressure from prison guards. As a sign of protest against the unlawful actions of the prison administration, he was forced to self-harm in order to call the public attention to his case and his fate. As prison administration interpreted these actions as willful disobedience to lawful demands, El Shabayev now faces a longer term of imprisonment. Kazakhstan activists are calling on the president of Kazakhstan, to put an end to the persecution of Erjan Elshabayev, release him from prison and clear him of all trumped-up charges. There is an online campaign which we'll put up details of on our social media. All right, now we move to Qatar, where earlier this week, Qatar's Labor Minister, Albin Samika Almari, rejected creating a remedy fund for harmed migrant workers. His response ignores growing criticism of Qatar's labour rights record and support for the migrant workers who faced abuses creating the World Cup infrastructure. Instead, instead Al-Mari cited Qatar's le- recent labour reforms and questioned the feasibility of a remedy fund. While Qatar has made notable reforms, research by Human Rights Watch has found that they came late, were narrow in scope and were weakly enforced, which meant many workers who helped build the World Cup infrastructure fell through the cracks. Also, Qatar authorities and origin country governments do do have data and information on abuses, including worker deaths. A remedy fund would strengthen existing compensation schemes and reach more workers, including those still seeking wages stolen from from them. It would also reach the families of workers who died in circumstances Qatari authorities have never investigated, allowing families who lost a provider to feed themselves and send their children to school. Regardless of Qatar's response, the FIFA, football's global governing body, has the resources and the responsibility to act. The Union of of European Football Associations Working Group on Workers' Rights in Qatar met with FIFA and requested it answer calls for remedy on migrant workers by the end of October. In June, FIFA already told the 
uh, Europe, Union of European Football Associations. It was looking into compensation mechanisms and respond, would respond within weeks. Calls to compensate migrant workers who experienced abuse building World Cup infrastructure are unprecedented, including from football associations, sponsors, political leaders, athletes and fans. Migrant workers have bravely come forward with their stories of, of abuse despite reprisal risks. That is really an amazing story because we've been reporting on the abuses in Qatar for the last three or four years since they started building the stadium. And it is really the momentum that has been generated by the campaign and and to their credit by the players um, to oppose the human rights abuses of migrant workers that has elevated the campaign such that it is on the international in the international media, and that there is being, uh, there are some wins along the way. It's 12 minutes past nine o'clock, and that was news from around the region. We're going to go to some community announcements and a song. We're going to hear Time Is All I Have by Kutcher Edwards, and then our feature interview for the morning. I'm Sonia Hammer of PX Fano. Join me and our Pacifica family as we talk about all things Pacifica for our queer Pacifica community. From news and information to covering all the arts and culture and events of our community for our community. PX Fano, the voice of queer Pacifica for Australia and the world, every Saturday afternoon, 1.30 to 2 o'clock, only on 3CR, 855 AM. Community Radio. Hi, it's Paul Kelly here. Hi, this is Shane Howard here, asking you to support 3CR. Independent radio station, encouraging independent music and independent thought. They've been supporting musicians for more than 30 years, so let's support them. I see birds from up above Over walls I can't get past These feelings of desperation But I know that they won't last Time is all I have My past I leave
Kutcher Edwards with Time Is All I Have. You're listening to Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents. Soline U is the president of the Australian Karen Organisation, which was established in 1996 and serves the social and political concerns of the Karen community in Australia. Thursday's breakfast spoke with um, Sorlin U on the 27th of October, and I'm going to replay that interview with you now. Um, he speaks about recent events in Myanmar and, of course, the overall objectives of the um, Australian Karen organisation. Since 1996, the working group of the AQO has aimed to represent the Karen ethnic group in all forums, both at the national and the international level in order to achieve equality, peace, freedom, justice, and human rights for current people in Myanmar and also living abroad. AQO has since established its branches in New South Wales, Pretoria, Queensland, WA, and ACT, and has also facilitated to successful settlement of those thousands of Karen, including that of the special humanitarian offshore programs. I have served as the national president of AQO since 2014 and in, in other executive roles prior to that. In this role, I view the situation and politics of Karen and other people of Myanmar as ongoing matter which requires serious attention to bring about justice, 
ethnic equality and self-determination. As the national president, I strive to raise global awareness of the current state of affairs, especially as to the current humanitarian crisis of internally displaced people and refugees. Thank you for that, um, So Lewin U. It sounds like you have been doing some very important organising um, at AKO for a long time, and it's an ongoing and urgent issue. So it's good to be aware of it. Next up, could you provide some insight into the history of Karen people's challenges within Myanmar? The history of the Karen revolution and politics date back to 1949, about a year after Obama independent had been granted by the by then British colonial administration. The Karen peacefully call for recognition of our own state, but were met with brutal persecution by the Burma army, which came into power through hostile takeover. This has resulted in the war's biggest ongoing civil war to date, with countless innocent lives lost, homes destroyed, and the forced relocation and internally displacement of many current people. Recently, um, there's been an escalation in the situation in Myanmar. Could you tell us a bit more about what has been happening in Myanmar recently? Yes. Uh, since the military coup d'etat on the first February 2021, after the landslide victory of the National League for Democracy Party in the 2020 election, the Myanmar country has been uh, completely disordered, and this is still is the case. Recently, and across Burma, the coup has resulted in 2,400 brutal killing of civilians, 300 of whom are minors, and 15,000 arbitrarily arrests, 1,500 persons charged and detained, 126 penny of death sentences, four execution of human rights activists, 1.3 million or over refugees, and also 1.2 million internally displaced people within Myanmar. This week, just four days ago, military airstrike has targeted the Kachin state, having a land of having a land of celebration onto the take place for 62 anniversary of the founding of the Kachin Independent Organization KIO. A, a total of 80 people were killed and over 100 people were wounded. And the military further created a roadblock which prevented the wounded people from the seeking urgent medical treatment. This adds to the evidence of the war crime and crime against humanity being committed by the Myanmar military junta. 
So, Luen Wu, this is a truly horrifying um, situation and it describes a real ongoing crisis that we should be paying attention to here in Australia. In light of this, could you outline the demands from the Myanmar community to the Australian government? Yet, uh, yeah, we current uh, Australian government which is the Labour government, they are in mm. power for 130 years, at the 130 day long today. Mm-hmm. I would like to simply request the the collective community of the people of Myanmar would like to urge Australian government to refer the crisis in Myanmar to the International Criminal Code to increase the refugee humanitarian visa intake for Myanmar nationals to impose a comprehensive global armed embargo against the military junta to impose targeted economic sanctions and travel bans for Myanmar military junta, its affiliations of association and also the military control conglomerate and state-owned enterprises to allocate humanitarian assistance to the area of Myanmar, which are in Dao's humanitarian crisis and the right. Mm. These are all really fair claims that I think would have a huge impact if they were enacted. Um, So aside from the Australian government, how can our listeners support these demands and help amplify the voices of the Myanmar community? Yeah. Um, We are busy because we are looking for the peace and justice Mm. for the people of Myanmar. I think we... We would like to uh, we would like to request Australian um, community join the movement which accept the is called accept national unity government and reject the military junta mm. and promoting the recognition of the national unity government as the legitimate government of Myanmar and based on the principle of the human rights, democracy, and its rule of law. We are now living in a war which is consumed by the special media, and listening can show their support and by raising awareness of our collective demands by speaking out and sharing information about the current situation in Myanmar, we plan to have another Australia-wide peaceful protest rally next month at the Parliament House in Canberra and welcome all the support in person or in or by circulating information online. November is a crucial month of the people of Myanmar as we await the reconcil- reaccreditation of the ambassador 
Ujo Motong as the duly appointed representative of Myanmar in United Nations General Assembly. Or if you have more information, if you want more information, please contact the National Unity Government Representative Office in the Commonwealth of Australia, located in the Camera ACT. Thank you very much. If you're a charity or community group looking for office space or a co-working space, Ross House has rooms of different sizes available, from 15 metres squared to 100 metres squared, at affordable prices. Many charity groups already call Ross House home, so if you're interested in joining a vibrant community or working towards social justice and environmental sustainability, please visit rosshouse.org.au or contact reception during office hours on 9650 Ross House is a 3CR supporter. You are listening to Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents. That interview you just heard was with Saw Lwin U, who is the president of the Australian Karen organisation. He was talking about the situation in Myanmar for not just the Karen people, but all of uh, the Burmese people. That does bring us to the end of another Asia Pacific Currents. Coming up next is Palestine Remembered. Thanks for tuning in to the show, and we will be back next Saturday with more news and current affairs from the Asia-Pacific region. But that is all from me, Giselle Hanna. And me, Jodie Paskett.